You're listening to episode three of Undervalued. Our guest on today's episode is Phoenix Jackson. She is an award-winning business leader, corporate communication strategist, adjunct faculty, and expert in social entrepreneurship turned author and speaker. Phoenix is the co-founder of Phoenix Effect, an integrated communications and public relations firm. Phoenix was named one of the 25 top leaders in Denver for Barack Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative and received the Women Making History Award. We're so excited to have Phoenix here today. We are so lucky to have (laughs) Phoenix Jackson today. And I met Phoenix in the most odd way. I was actually calling Nine News and left a message. Mm -hmm. No, I think you actually picked up. Yeah. And you and I hit it off from the start. Oh, yeah. I kicked my feet up on my desk and just (laughs) kicked back and was like, yeah, hey, let's talk. Cowgirl. And it was um, And it was so amazing. It was like God watched over me today Aww, because yeah. she, I was so impressed with you. I mean, you had such an energy and um, the way you showed up and, you know, you came and spoke at our conference and just was such a hit. Aww, you're making me blush. Early <laughs> in the show. You guys going to have me crying in here? Like Maybe. On, you on made me cry today. As weird as that sounds. What happened? I was... Oh. I had a little bit of a rough 24 hours, oh. as Wendy knows, and I was a little mean to Wendy on the phone this morning. It might have been our first fight, but it's okay. We're good For now. shame. I know. <laughs> it's all right. We made up. It was a tiny fight. It was like the tiniest fight. But um, I was packing up my desk, and I pulled up your TED Talk, and I was- That darn TED Talk. It's that <laughs> fabulous it TED is. Talk. everybody cry. It made me cry. It was so weird. I listened to the whole thing, and I was like, oh my God, that's so special. And then you came on stage and started dancing, and I literally started crying at my desk. It was, oh my God. you and like half the audience, they were just, you know, including the curator. I was like, okay, I think you have to get back on stage and introduce the next person. And she was just like, <laughs> 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 I was all emotional. Uh, no, just watching yeah, that, you dance, it felt like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I just felt, it was like happy tears, kind of. Yeah. Like, all my stress from the day was just like, Oh, and, and you realize, you know what? Things aren't so bad. Yeah. And what was it about it? The fact that she was that free, that she could be herself? She and just, like, the look on her face when she was dancing is unlike, it was so crazy. She just looked so happy and so free. And the rest of the TED Talk kind of gets you, like, pushed towards the edge of sure, crying. Sure, sure. And then as soon as you start dancing, it's, it's all gone uh, downhill from there. And well, you know what? Dancing minds, like, that's my thing when I'm at home. <laughs> so... You know how they say you should find something that really makes you happy? Just a few things that can shift your energy if you're feeling a little down. Totally. Yeah. So actually, so yesterday I was having one of those just down energy days myself. And I ended up like, I don't know why this old song popped up my head. And I played it. And it just got me up off my feet dancing. Just like oh. I got into it. And dance is my personal joy. And people love when I dance. Audiences love. I've danced in front of big crowds where people pay a lot of money to come see me perform in an ensemble or a piece. But it's it's only one of my talents and I, I sort of, I don't abandon it. What do I do? I sort of like, you just, embrace it. Yeah. I embrace it, but I kind of sit it to the side so I can make sure that I fulfill all the other joys and goals for the people around me and myself too. Wow. It's all. So now I just dance for myself. That's great. If, if they put a camera in my house. You guys see me boogieing around. <laughs> you know, I don't dance for anybody else anymore. It's for myself. But And yeah. I love it because you found that passion kind of later on in life, which I think a lot of people think about, dance or extracurriculars is something that you Mm -hmm. do when you're a little kid but Mm -hmm. her ted talk she just decided to start dancing and she strapped her kid to her back and then went to a dance class i know i've heard her ted talk it is a fabulous story i mean thank you it's it's amazing and and one of the reasons we wanted to have you is you have all these sides of you that make you one of those triple threats if it was sports (laughs) right? right um i mean you're spiritual you're authentic you're accomplished, you're intelligent, um, you're just so kind and sweet. And So you guys are going to get me <laughs> crying. <laughs> well, then if I make you cry, then we'll just be then even. Then it'll be even, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, I appreciate that. I, I, I really do. It's, I 
try to show up that way because I think we need more of us to live in our strength, especially oh, as women. Like our I most agree. powerful assets are our grace and our kindness. I think we can move mountains with it, and enough of us are not doing that. I love it. Um, can you start a site and tell us a little bit, a brief overview of your professional life? Yeah. So um, I own a company called The Phoenix Effect. And I've had the company since I was a sophomore in college. So it seemed like my life took this, uh, alongside of that dancing story, you know, Mm -hmm. my life took a drastic turn of me deciding to deviate from my pre-medical honors background in college because I was an egghead too, and to move towards entrepreneurship. And so I did. And so I've owned the same company all these years. How did you make that shift? You know, um, I mean, what did it for you? Because a lot of people have those defining moments. Yeah. So, and that's such a hard age to be. Like, oh, I really man. struggled in college deciding what I wanted to do, what my passion was. It's, I mean, it can be like turmoil. It totally. can be. You know what? It was that 7.30 a.m. Friday chemistry class that kicked my butt. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 joking. I'm serious, <laughs> but I'm, I'm joking. That that wasn't the ter- quite the turning point, but it, it, sure, it sure didn't help. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was definitely, I... According to my my godmother, who has passed away, she said, I've been an entrepreneur since I was about three or four years old. Wow. She said, I would go to, I'm from Arkansas. She said, I would go to the uh, the rummage sales in Arkansas and Pine Bluff in our little town <laughs> and buy like the old beat up dolls and the beat up trucks. And I would take them home and clean them up and like put, <laughs> put some little rags and clothes on them, you know, make them a little cute. Uh-huh. And then I would go back and... From there, sell them back to different vendors for like a quarter or something. <laughs> Make my coins as a little three, four-year-old. And then go to, you know, uh, whatever we had back then, the dollar store or something, and buy fresh toys for myself. And so in her wow, mind, I've been it. an entrepreneur since, you know, since I could really maneuver life. And so, but I, I had this inkling to help other people through medicine because I was really good in science and I was really good in math and I understood biology and chemistry and physics and geometry and calculus, I, I understand it very fluidly. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe I should be a doctor because then I can help a lot of people. And I, you know, I had all these thoughts about it. And I really had a bleeding heart seeing starving children on TV in Africa, which they should show back in the day late at night. And I was like, hey, I'm going to feed those kids. I'm going to become a doctor and I'm going to go feed those kids. <laughs> so this is my like five or six year old self saying this. <laughs> so I actually started on a path of being very interested in science and math because of that bleeding heart. But then when I got to college, I realized, yeah, 12 years of school, then another eight years of undergrad Ooh. and graduate, then medical school. I'm not going to be able to help as many people as I think I am. Yeah. yeah. I need to do something that's going to be more impactful. And my soul said entrepreneurship. Like, this is who you are. This is who you are. So I started to, you know, help my uh, my fiance at the time. I started to help him in his business, revamped his website, all of that. People were, you know, coming up to him like, hey, man, who helped you do your e-commerce stuff? Now, this was back in the day before, like, WordPress, right? You Or Squarespace. Oh, right. When you it's, had, it's user-friendly. It was you old had, school. You had, Dream, oh, you had Dreamweaver and Photoshop. Like, you you had old school coding. I don't even know what Dreamweaver is. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be uh, honest. I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I used those programs to better his, his systems and did a great job. And from there, people started hiring us for, like, web development and marketing, branding. And so the company was born out of that. And when I graduated... I just stayed working for myself and now you know hey I'm here like 13 14 years later and and created and and I've done so much I've done so those those you know I wanted to help kids in Africa that was a thing that I had as little as little girl I remember in 2008 yes 2008 2009 um, we signed a company out of Accra Ghana that was growing organic pineapples and feeding communities in Africa in West Ghana and it was sort of a full circle moment of okay well as an entrepreneur I'm working with the company and getting them funding and getting them grants out of the the United States to feed people in this on this continent so it was I feel like I'm that's only one bit but it's like I feel like I'm in my own way living my own passion to help the people that I've been charged to help and ended at the same end point just in a different a different kind of way yeah yeah (laughs) so are you exactly where you want to be right now oh wendy damn that was actually i am exactly where i think i'm supposed to be right now um am i where i i i think i should be um i haven't done the work 
as much as I've done, I haven't done the work to be where I know I'm supposed to be. And I, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Like yep. I, in a year, I won't be in the same place. Just like a year ago, I was not in the same place. I progress every single year. It's been a, a, a perpetual incline. It's been really great to witness and to be a part of. And I know that um, there's another level of, of grit that I have to come up with out yep. of my inner core that's going to take me to that next, next platform. Thing. Yeah. Um, Propel ya. Yeah, and I uh, I know it's coming. I feel it. And I remember, uh, we, we talked about this before we started recording, but I remember when I met Michelle Obama and someone uh, someone who's a, a big wig in Colorado texted me and said, hey, two powerful women in one picture. And I was like, well, Aww. that's sweet of you, but, you know, yeah, she's, yeah, the power, really. she's the powerhouse, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, you, you're a pretty powerful woman who has helped so many people. You don't even know how people think of you publicly. You just don't have the platform. You don't have the... Yet. big stage yet to do you know what this person's done wow. if you if you had that stage you'd be in the exact same place you know wow. so it's like compliment. yeah and I was like hey that's my shoulder down <laughs> but it was one of those things it was like a validation of you know I'm where I'm supposed to be but it's going to take another level of grit for myself to get where yeah. I know that I'm I'm going to be well I don't know a lot of women that say they're exactly where they want to be mm-hmm. so what advice would you give those women to really get to a place where they're living their passion as part of their professional life? I would say figure out what you want. Don't men complain so much to us? <laughs> and they say it the most, right? <laughs> you ladies just, just not know what you want. Girls, I mean, y'all are all oh. crazy. You guys are all crazy <laughs> because you don't know what you want. Right. There's fact to that. I, I, I used to do- duck and dodge that, that truth being thrown at me for years, but it's reality. We, we are so multi talented as women we know how to multitask how many women you know who are doing so many things their mothers their wives they're exactly they're the they're the counselor in the house the cook the the everything right. the cfo the coo yeah. yeah they're the cia yeah the house, <laughs> you know they're watching out for everything you know and so that's that's pretty much every woman and we have to figure out what do we want really what do we want in our journey? Who do we want to be? What legacy do we want to bring? And from there, you can figure out where that passion lies. So for me at 19, I realized I'm not, I still want to help a lot of people. And I want to impact the world and push the envelope forward for mankind because mankind is struggling. But I was like, I'm not going to do it just as a doctor. Like I, I have to have a bigger audience than one patient at a time. Mm-hmm. So I like all the wow. all the fellowships I actually won awards to, and all the stuff that I had done up to that point were really for naught because it was in a sense wasted time. But I learned at that point a little piece of the passion of like I have to figure out something for a larger scale. I got to think broader, and I think for women. Even if you are decorating pillows and you're someone who's on Etsy selling things and you're awesome at it, or you're someone who's out here fighting for the corporate woman to make more money, like whatever your your drive is, figure out what you want, what's the end game, and then you can calculate the steps that it's going to take to get there. And through those steps, you'll be able to see really who do I need to be in the midst of these steps to manifest my greater self and to manifest my own passion. And then find those opportunities to get those things. Yeah. Right. Cause I think it's like, once Putting you have this, right there. yeah, once you have the plan kind of like that's, that's where I want to be. You map it out a l- as, as best you can from there. You can say, okay, so what's the best way if, if you need money to build a nonprofit because you want to start a nonprofit for girls or, or uh, for trafficked women or whatever you want to do. I'm just throwing out some examples well, what is it going to take to do that? Okay, you need money. Okay, so what, you know, I'm just like trying to, you have to boil it down. Totally, basically, totally. And make it like chew that elephant one bite at a time. Yep. Don't put the pressure on yourself of what's my purpose? What's my purpose? That's a big question. And the purpose is not a, you know, it's not a thing you can just switch on and switch off. It's no. a lifelong thing and it changes. It's malleable. Exactly. Right. Your it's purpose not, in your 20s not is not going to be the, yeah. yeah. And your purpose in your 20s is not going to be the same in your 60s. You're going to have a no. different purpose. Well, mm-hmm. and it's as the world changes and yeah. different vacuums get, get filled up yeah. and you have to see if you can make an impact in that area. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love the idea of all the jobs that people are doing now didn't even exist 20 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah. So how, so would it be wise to pigeonhole yourself in a certain, even passion or purpose? Right. Like I couldn't pigeonhole myself in just being a dancer. Oh, right. Yeah. Everyone else loves seeing me dance. I couldn't pigeonhole myself into that. Mm-hmm. 
it was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta think a little bit broader, broader. for what I'm, I'm good at making things happen in public relations and communications. I'm good at business yeah. development. How can I use that to impact right other parts of the world? Well, and I love the way that you look at it because um, it reminds me of something one of my favorite professors at CU said, which is instead of thinking about what your one purpose is and what your one life goal is, think about what you assessing your skill set and what you have at this point in your life what do you have to offer the world oh that's so good isn't that great that's good which i feel like is kind of what you're saying it's not really about this one thing right now this one gift it's about what do you in this moment have to offer everybody else yes i mean like uh a prime example which is one of the biggest examples out there is like oprah right she First had her anchor. She mm-hmm. was an anchor. Then she, you know, she's an adjunct professor at a certain point in time, too. But she then had a TV show with all kinds of stuff on that show. It wasn't always positive, uplifting. Some stuff was, you know, this or that. They had to flush out family issues and other things. Like, it had a little Dr. Phil-ishness going on there. And a lot of, she played counselor and she played mediator and a lot of other things. So she then she transitioned to having a network and making content and now she's, you know, has the master classes and the soul Sundays and she's speaking to spiritual teachers. Totally. And she's basically become a conduit for spiritual leaders. She introduces mm-hmm. the world to all these spiritual leaders. And so um, she's evolved and adapted and transformed. And I think every woman has a capability to do that. Every person has yeah. the capability. To do that. So they, people should keep that in mind when they're stressing about who they should be now. Yeah. You're going to evolve and, and allow that to happen. And I love the idea that... It's not all working on you. It's looking at the world and seeing what are the problems and what is the opportunities and what's the holes to be filled Mm -hmm. and how can you uniquely fill those holes based on just how you show up and who you are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And forward thinking. Yeah. What are are some problems that are getting ready to arise and how can you be a part of filling it? Right. Even your Phoenix, uh, the online media that you're creating yeah, phoenix spec news yeah it's that uplifting right you're oh, yeah. seeing that need for that is that what really what drove you to creating it, that yeah well i noticed that there was not one website online other than mind body green that tailored to what i needed and so i wanted to create a platform that would be what i needed because i'm like i'm no i know i'm not the only person who's missing something that's spiritually focused and centering but mm. also focused around business development and entrepreneurship and and personal development. I wanted it all, not just everything diet and green and healthy and that's it. And like, that's the spiritual bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Or just gossip. Ooh, the celebrities. Yes. Or just, you know, it was like, and we don't have much gossip celebrity stuff on there, but uh, (laughs) you can get that all over the web. But, but things that the everyday person is struggling with, like we have articles on brain health and depression as you were, you know, growing and, is entrepreneurship right for you? That's one of the articles. Yes. Like things like that, making people think about where they are today and hopefully they can read an article and get over whatever hump they're dealing with. But I didn't see a lot of sites that did that. And so I wanted to create something that filled that void for myself. And we've had, I mean, just in the last four months, we've had over 2,000 subscribers That's sign wonderful. into it because folks are just like, this is great content. You That's know? fabulous. PhoenixEffectNews.com. <laughs> Plugged. <laughs> um, I love how you talk about finding the spirit of the moment. I think that that's what you said during your TED Talk. Here, let me get the actual quote out. <laughs> She's ready with yes, quotes. Yeah, I, I love, love it. it. Well, I wrote it. It's like tear-stained today. No, I'm just kidding. It's not actually. <laughs> it says, you would be surprised what would manifest in your life if you only took the time to start to listen to the spirit of the moment. Yeah. I love that. So how do you listen to the spirit of the moment? Well, in that particular moment, I was talking to people about their heartbeat and the fact that the heartbeat is the first thing that after 18 days of conception that we, we hear, um, or that is being heard, I would say, because we we're babies in the womb, we don't hear anything, but it's the first thing. And the fact that a lot of us, most of us do not stop and listen to our own heartbeat. Mm. We don't stop to, you know, do any of that. And the best way, by the way, ladies, if you want to just stop and listen to your own heartbeat and listen to your centering space, is submerge yourself in water like in the bathtub, just cover, oh. have the water come up to your ears oh. and you, you're not going to get an ear infection. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually hear your heart be very strong in those moments. You oh, know? it's almost like a different meditation. Yeah. You, you can hear very strong. So I was talking about it in that particular moment mm-hmm. of listening to the spirit of the moment, but I, I would say that 
man, I know everyone has different spiritual beliefs and different religious beliefs, but I'll say this God, the universe, the ancestors, whatever you particularly believe in your guides, they are always talking to us. There's, they're always sending taps and whispers to us all the time. And Amen, if we are, it, yes, like, and if we are <laughs> stopping to be quiet enough and centering ourselves enough through whatever methods we're using, meditation, whatever you're using, that can force your, it sort of forces your body to slow down to actually hear those taps and whispers. Um, I think one thing that women have over men is our abilities to be intuitive. We're naturally mm -hmm. intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the more centered you are and quiet, quieter you are, you can actually stop and hear and feel the things around you and you'll know, oh, don't go that way, don't take that route. That's a simpler thing, but oh no, don't take that position, don't go through that door over there because there's there's negative energy or a vibration that's not for me. That's what I consider listening to the spirit of the moment. You are actually present, you're still, you know, whether you're listening to your heart or not in that moment, but you're, you're still, you're centered, and you're actually paying attention to yourself and the energy around you. Um, I have a weird story. This is this is interesting. I'll tell you guys really quickly because I can be very long-winded. We, we, we love weird stories. Yeah, yes. I, uh, I was getting ready to perform African dance. This was years ago in front of the Bronco Stadium for this big event. Whoa. And not in the Bronco Stadium, but like in front of it. So if people think I was like in the Bronco Stadium, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I was picturing. Yeah. I was picturing a spotlight in the middle of the no, no. and just Phoenix. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, are it you was, like Taylor Swift? <laughs> it was like, uh, it was a, a big... Um, health and wellness sort of summit in front of the state, like right in front of it in the parking mm -hmm. lot and everything. Right. Got it. I had a dream three days before that, that a tornado came through and was like basically going to tear up the event, right? Oh, God. I had a dream of that. And this is where I talk about listening to the spirit of the moment. At the event, I saw clouds moving in. I saw things getting dark. And I said to some of the individuals, you, we need to pack up because something's coming. Yeah. Literally within about a minute of me saying that, wind came and knocked over tents, knocked over tables. Just It was like a, a quick, like a quick mini tornado. I know there's no such thing, but it came through into the parking lot, just wiped all this, the energy out and oh my God. toppled half of the, the summit, you know? Wow. And, and I, I thought to myself, wow, if I hadn't paid attention to the dream I had mm -hmm. just a few days before, my stuff would be strewed everywhere as well. And, yeah. you know, or this person right here, they would have gotten knocked over the head by a tent, this elder woman who we moved out of the way. Like, oh it's things God. like that. You have to stop and take time to center yourself so you can receive those messages. You can hear it. Every way they yeah. come. Well, you know? and it's, so. this, it's a time we're at where we're so busy and we have so many inputs mm. and we have, we, we have our, our head in the iPhone all the time and on all these different um, devices. In, inputs. Yeah. Right. And how can you hear? And if you if you're so on a, the treadmill right. all the time. Yeah. Can't turn your brain off. That's sit your ass it. down. Yeah. That's <laughs> totally. what I say. Sit and your quiet ass down. down. Yeah. And yeah. quiet, quiet yourself. Yeah. Right? Quiet yourself. Um, I mentioned this in, in my book, Spirit of Business, but we on average, every human who has technology and phones, we reach towards our phones up to like at an average of 84 times. A day. Oh, so geez. think about wow. that. I think about that reaching that. and wow. grabbing your phone 84 times on average. And we can't even remember our parents' phone numbers anymore. No. Remember growing up, we remembered our parents' yep. phone numbers. So and we your best friend's phone numbers. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, our brains are becoming deficient because we have become so dependent on things on the outside of us to keep our lives intact. No, I believe it. And so I say, sit your ass down. Yeah. You um, know? I... I want to shift a bit okay. um, because... Yeah, we got heavy in there. Yeah, <laughs> I love this though. But, and this seems like a, a right turn, but um, a lot of what I've been learning as I've done this different work over the last four years instead of being, you know, in the corporate path mm -hmm. was that I had this white privilege. And it was an odd thing that I, I learned because I didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. And it actually helped me not feel so negative about white males because mm -hmm. I would say, wow, if they don't get it like I don't get this, then you know, nobody means to be biased or, or not understand the privilege they have or, or the situation they're in uh, and what advantages they have. Mm -hmm. But I would love to hear, I want to hear your journey of being a woman of color 
and that perspective. But I also want to hear what, I don't know many people I could even ask this of that I feel this comfortable. <laughs> yeah. What could I do or Ronnie do to be better advocates and to get uh, women of color and other underrepresented groups to the table when we're there? So when so it's interesting when I when I get asked about my journey as, you know, obviously audience, I'm, I'm a black woman, uh, <laughs> is... Uh, it's interesting because I've, I've been black my whole life, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just been the makeup and it's been the experience. And so my lens has been through those eyes. But I've been very early, um, I've always been compassionate, almost to, to my own detriment. And so I've been able to see and understand the ignorance from other individuals' eyes. When I say ignorance, I don't mean in a negative connotation, it means that you, you just do not know, no. you don't understand, you don't have the knowledge of. Right. And so I'm glad that you found compassion for your white male counterparts because you're like, if I don't know this and I got to have compassion for them not knowing this, I, I'm glad you found that compassion for them Thank in that you. way. Because that's what we all need. We all need to learn to understand and we all need uh, to learn compassion for one another mm -hmm. where we are. Um, but as as me growing up in the South, so I grew up in, in, in Arkansas and the culture there was very much at the time uh, whites and blacks, hey, how you doing? And then they kept moving. There are people who uh -huh. hang out and do things, but it was very much um, amicable peace. You're over here, we're over there, and everyone keeps going. Um, when I moved to Colorado, similar energy, except Colorado has a covert level of racism in a way that they're like, okay, you're over here, we're over there, we're entitled, and you're okay, stay over there kind of thing. But those who pull each other in and connect with each other, they really do a great job at connecting with each other. Wow. And so that's what I've really noticed. Like the white, the whites and blacks and Asians and Latinos and Jewish individuals that I know, or even just some I see in the far, especially this newer generation, they are bridging the gap and they're coming in and they're just saying, hey, dudes, we're, we're all dealing with the same you know, lack of knowledge about life. We're all struggling on some level, shape and form. And so they have formed these different bonds. But I think for the millennial generation and, and older, I would say that it's been interesting because no one has been forced to learn each other's story. Right. No one's been forced to like anyone. The average white American hasn't been forced to know anyone outside of the blacks that they see on TV or in sports or entertainment or whatever most of them probably have never had a black person even come into their home. And if you know exactly how many black people, black friends you have or, or Asian friends you have, then you probably need more, you know, yeah, exactly. because if like, you can count it, what yeah. I think is it, it does, it does your soul a disservice not to taste and be connected within other cultures. It, it would have done my soul a disservice not to have friends of different, you know, not to have my white girlfriends and my Jewish girlfriends and my Asian girlfriends. It would have been very, uh, have done my own journey to dis disjustice because we have learned so much from one another. And so I would say that white women have to forgive themselves because I know a lot of white women who are, who have bleeding hearts and they have the best intentions for their children and even for their husbands, but they have never dealt with their role in suppressing people of color. Wow. So we, the world can blame the white man forever and say the white men, white men are horrible and they, they're the conquerors of, you know, right now and they're blah, 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 blah. You know, other things that people try to say or whatever, but the white woman, that's, that's his queen. That's his right hand. You know, that's his equal. So I believe that women are women can manipulate in a positive way are men to do and be the best of themselves. So if white men have been the worst of themselves for so long to other cultures. You have to also look to their to their counterpart. You have to also look to their wife and say, where in this makeup did you guys not, you know, disempower these men to not be negative to other cultures? Or where did you all begin to accept not even your own oppression, but the oppression of everyone else? Because at some point, why women began to fight during the suffrage? Why women were like, oh, no, hell no, we, we're not going, you know? Yeah. But it took a long time to get there. And I feel like white women need to own that role that you all were, I hate to quote Dave Chappelle, but he said it. He said, um, white women, you guys were in on the heist. You just don't like the cut that you received in the robbery, right? Wow. So you guys benefited from every bit of white privilege and you guys benefited from every negative thing that may have been taken from other cultures, but you also suffered as well. But you also have to realize that your level of suffering is 
down is lower than the suffering that people, the deeply oppressed individuals have gone through and forgiving yourselves for maybe not teaching your men how to be better or teaching your sons how to be better, teaching your uncles. Not even seeing it. Yeah. Not, yeah. And and like not noticing it and forgiving yourselves for that. Like quit your, with your guilt, you know, and all right. So we went some, we went a long time with things being bad. How can we teach our daughters and our sons to be differently? Yeah. How can we raise them to understand that the wealth that they have in their families comes from a dark lineage of oppression or slavery or whatever, or whatever, you know, it's like, explain this, let them understand. And then, and then we have to find those people who are really good at building equality and equity, get those individuals to the table to talk about, well, now how would do we fix it? But it's never going to be fixed if people are walking around with bleeding hearts, but they haven't dealt with maybe how they've benefited from it Mm. or they're walking around with bleeding hearts, but you know, they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to keep going with what I'm doing, you know. Um, what is the best example you've seen where someone has advocated or, or leaned into that in a way that you would have even told them they had done a good job? Help me to do better. So, well, I can say that in general, advocating is such a strong word because it says you need to come up behind and fight for someone. Advocating can be something so small as if you are an HR director of a company and you know your company, I know diversity is a buzzword, but it's like hire people that do not look like the people in the office. That's a form of advocating. Um, Opening the door, providing jobs, not when you see, if you work in the uh, financial industry or the housing industry, not being a part of the redlining, you know, it's still hard for a black man and a white man, both with 750 credit score, both making 150000 a year, the black man will still probably not get approved for a level of housing that the white man will. Change it. And so, so if you are someone who's it. behind the, the envelope and you're a finance <laughs> manager at a bank, be the one who does something different. Don't practice the same practices. Mm-hmm. So it's systematic. It's like those are, those are the ways that you advocate. It's like one person at a time. We can only change a system one person at a time. I you don't can change things where one person at a time. In the workplace, you don't can change things one person at a time. And so I can say that I've had some friends who, and this is just personally, who are of different races, who they've been open to working with different contractors of different races and working with even women. Uh, even I have some male contractors who have you know, worked in sort of that male-dominated roofing industries, and they'll mm-hmm. hire women-owned, like, normally male-dominated industries, they'll hire women-owned companies. To me, that's advocating. So I've seen examples of that, and I say it's being open to working with people who do not look like you, either gender, race, creed, spread the wealth, spread, um, you know, the resources around, because the truth of the matter is, if it topples out, Every time any culture has toppled out with resources and you have too much rich, too much poverty, that's when revolution, bloodshed, and all those things come about. Mm. It's happened in every major culture and time. We don't want America to become this kind of negative, bo- and it's already kind of tempering at a, it's, it's like boiling. It's like ever lightly boiling. Yeah. And I'm hoping that it never gets, it doesn't get worse, but it's like if more uh, equality continues to grow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually topple over. Uh, because the universe and God finds a way to find balance if us humans are not willing to do it ourselves, you know, <laughs> it's going it's to find its way in, you know. And so I would say that, you know, if you see even if you're in a workplace and you see someone who is being mistreated because of the color of their skin, say something. I actually had to there was a, I had to advocate for future individuals of color who came into a workplace that I was in for a very short period of time. Um, where one of the main new managers was definitely someone who, I wouldn't even say that he was racist, but he was someone who was very uncomfortable with people of color Mm -hmm. for no reason. But he was from another country. Uh, He was European, and he he was very uncomfortable. And so immediately he came in, and a month later, the only black male there, he got him fired for nothing. Oh, my God. And then he was pushing out other people of color around the office as well. And so up on my exiting and resigning, I actually mentioned it and said, Hey, this guy's uncomfortable. He needs, you know, sensitivity training. He needs this, he needs that. He needs, and maybe sensitivity training, I know that's a buzzword as well, but it's like this person needs some real heart to heart conversations. And maybe you guys need a therapist in the workplace who can work with individuals who are struggling with folks who do not look like them. Sure. Because this person used to get 
start sweating and get anxious. There was like a, a mini anxiety attack was happening and I would wow. see it. I saw it because I just noticed. And what about the things. HR people that are noticing who's leaving and his boss who's noticing who's exiting? I mean, I aren't they, aren't they, you know, you would think that people would slow down enough to pay attention, but sometimes they don't. You're right. You know, sometimes You're they so don't. Right. And so it's like, they're like, they're thinking about the fact that, man, they just lost someone and they have to, now feel it and that costs that costs money every time you mm -hmm. lose someone in the workplace right. you know turn or over. they notice it but they convince themselves that mm, that's not else. really what's going on yeah they weren't yeah. good you're, you're like they there's just no way good. that's what's going on you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. you try and rationalize it because you don't want to yeah you, you don't, don't want to deal with it yeah you yeah. don't want to be responsible for bringing it up so you yeah and then even if and then it and if it, it becomes a racial or a gender issue then you now you're dealing with legal things oh yeah you know what i mean so I always say that the best thing to do is just to pay attention to the people around you and be, be the person to be the different person. Be that you need to be the one who steps in and opens the doors in ways that you haven't seen anyone else behind you. Mm. And so how I would say individuals can sort of advocate for one another and be a participant in someone else's success who doesn't look like you. Part of that too is just like we were talking about women and why women being allies to black women. It's, it's accepting the benefits of what has happened in the past, accepting this is something we're still benefiting from. The system is rigged for our success, but is rigged for other people's failure. How can we, as an individual, cure that? And it's something as small as saying, how can I help? How can I help? How, how can I help you um, make your business successful? How mm -hmm. can I help you make your podcast successful, yeah. Phoenix? Yeah. Right? And really, that's all we really can do is you contributing to the betterment of the next person next exactly. to you, whether they look like you or not. Right. That's really all we can do. We can't undo what has happened nope. for the last hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, you know, but it's about the next step forward. Exactly. I love my friends of different races. It's like, man, we, we vibe and we talk about everything. And, man, we bounce stuff off each other and we argue in the fun way. And we don't have real arguments. But it's like <laughs> we, you know, they challenge me on my thoughts. I challenge them on theirs. And it's sure. like. But man, we would be like 10 steps below our growth spectrum if we did not. If you didn't have conversations like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want people that. that you can be that open with. Yeah. Right. And then I have my son who's 12, who on any given weekend, it's the United Nations in our house. Like it's everybody. He has <laughs> friends of, so every, of every race and they're around the house funky. All these teenage boys, <laughs> different races, but they're funky and they're playing video games. They're eating up on the food. That's what they got yeah. in common. <laughs> right. And. But they, they really love each other and they support each other and they care about each other. Each one has a different role in their group and they really nurture one another. And when one's acting up, they'll say something like, bro, dude, I'm like, really? <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. I yeah. love that. And so they're in a, you know, they're just in a different place. And so it's like, if every household was like my household on any given weekend, okay, you, it'd be fabulous. Your, your food bill would be really high. But... <laughs> I'm trying to raise a generation of, of children who understand one another. Cause the thing is in our generations, we don't understand one another, but if they're understanding each yeah. other, cause it was they're taboo. Less likely, it yeah. was taboo to talk about it. Yeah. They're less likely to withhold from one another. Yeah. They're less likely to, you know, be a part of negative systems of oppressing each other. All of that. They're less likely to, to have any of that because they understand and they have compassion for one another. They yeah. grew up together. They love each other, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I was the first class in Virginia to be integrated. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was white school and black school. Right? Really? Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know until <laughs> years later. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, my mom and dad, get, now, today, you're going to go to school in first grade, and they're going to be black children with you. Mm -hmm. They didn't say that. Mm -hmm. They just sent us to school. Right. And didn't say anything. We didn't even realize it. And you're like, are they chocolate? Does it rub off? What's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> no, like, what's just, happening here? <laughs> you thought this is what school was like. Everybody yes. goes together. Yes. We just, now, there was a lot of racism in the South, especially, mm -hmm. I, I think Virginia's just as bad as any other. Yeah, Virginia's has its own, man. And it's so up North, which is interesting, but it has its own set of issues around totally. racism. Yeah. And it was something that when I moved to Colorado was so different, right? But... I was so amazed when when this uh, woman of color came up to me after a, a talk and said, Wendy, I really liked mm -hmm. what you had to say. It really connected with me mm -hmm. and my journey in a male-dominated work environment. Mm -hmm. But you don't understand what it's like to be me yeah. and the double bind I've got, mm -hmm. right? And it was, I got to figure it out then, Yeah, right? And the thing is, we're all... 
all women, I think women are going to have to bridge the gap because we, I think we all look around and we're like, man, we're mothers and we're all these things, we're all these hats. And you know what? We all are dealing with some of the same stresses and fears and misunderstandings and lack of direction and, you know, trying to figure out who are we after the children are gone out of the house and who are we in postpartum, who are, even if we never, if we don't have children, well, who are we as a single or even married childless woman in the world that pressures you to be a mother, you know, yeah, pretty much every woman we're dealing with a different variance of the same issues. Sure. And so race or involved or not. Yeah, we are. Exactly. And I think if we come together and realize that as a human race, we're dealing with the same set of issues. We all want to be fed and shelter mm-hmm. and loved and cared for and yeah. protected. We all deserve that right. And we all deserve to be able to work and have a way of life. And then it's what every human really wants on this planet. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> This is so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> Here we are. We off task. I mean, like we 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 dove into the. We, I like talking I, about this stuff. Though. I this can is, hear it. This is for my soul. You go. And I'm glad you are talking about it. Me too. I heard a quote, or I read a quote, and I think I was like meant to read it, and it mm-hmm. said, "You don't need to be a voice for the voiceless. Just pass the mic. Just pass the mic. Isn't mm-hmm. that powerful? Yeah, wow. because it, everyone has a story. Every single person on this planet has a different story. Yeah." But so I'm ask. so glad that you're here. And if but we you only have step to into, ask. What, what, if, what if, like, in the, what if like uh, you know, some magic bean comes down and says, hey, <laughs> for, for 24 hours or wait, for a month, you can be any race of people. You can look any type of way you want to look for 30 days. And people can switch into any color that they wanted. Right. Talk about understanding. That's when understanding would come. Men would be, or, and then you would have to switch genders though. Like yes. men, you have <laughs> yeah. to, you have to have lady parts for 30 days. You're going to experience it for 30 days. And experience yeah. what women go through in that 30 day cycle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you're going to have to go to the workplace with cramps and, and oh, sadness. And, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm so, and crying from a Ted talk. Right. That would be so awesome. And it's like, men would be like, oh man. I'm going to buy my wife flowers every month and every week. <laughs> yeah, this, you know? <laughs> exactly. And we'll get what it feels like to have the pressure of feeling like we have to be the provider, the provider and all that, you know, that's a, that's a struggle too. Yeah, so. It is. No, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother thing. Like everyone's dealing with that. And I think, um, I've never heard anyone say this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it now since you're talking about it. But I believe that, you know, white men deal with their own set of issues. Black men deal with being constantly, stripped away and broken down. That's what they deal with in America. Um, The system's not set up for their success. But white men, it's another, it's a whole nother devil that they're dealing with in a sense that it's like every major superhero is white. So you better be the next CEO. You better be successful. You better be this. You're not a, you're not a powerful man if you don't have something, if you're not something. And I feel like that contributes to some of the mental illness and the suicides amongst the white male community because they're told, on the other hand, you have to be successful, but but you everyone can't be a successful, rich CEO or the best provider or this. Or, or you success see what I'm looks so different, but right. But it's been put in this box, right? It needs and everyone to be can't the, fit in that. You box. need to have two point four children, right? CEO, stay at home wife. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that's a whole other stress too that that they go through as well which contributes to their fear of wanting to oppress others, wanting to hold resources, wanting to hold back from even their wives, like wanting to covet whatever they have because, you know, the world told them that they should have everything. And so when they don't have everything, they're scrambling to have everything. And they're like, or everyone's telling us, especially nowadays, that we have everything going for us and we have and all then these when privileges. It, and so if, if you can't do it, even when the system's set up so that you some, can so do it. Something's wrong with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lack of a man. That's another stress. That's yeah. another, I think, point of all of us to have us some compassion. Yeah. Know, so. Have you ever had a moment where you didn't speak up when somebody wasn't being treated fairly? No. I was going to say, you don't, I don't, so you see don't strike it. me as someone that wouldn't. Snap. No, and I, I haven't wis- witnessed a lot of injustices right in front of me, but I'm the person that I will, if I see anything that's happening that's just egregious or out of whack, I'm, I usually bring it with grace, though. I'll stop and say, listen, see, look at it like this or deal with it in this way or shape or form. So, no, yeah, you're not going to get too much past me. I'm not going to go attack anybody and get crazy like, ah, 
No. But it's it's you know I, I find a, a way with grace because that's my that's my superpower is like intuition and grace, being peaceful, bringing trying to bring bring a level of truth through peace and through balance. So. Wow. Wow. We need a lot more of that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for letting me uh, come in and you know not so much talk about business. We talk about life <laughs> yeah, in well, that way. I love it. And, and I think we, our whole intent is to infuse business in, with some of these things. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, so you don't, don't have, have to be to, so compartmentalized. So mm-hmm. leave, leave it all, right? Yes. I mean, I think we should be asking people at work their stories. That's the yeah. way I think people understand and have compassion and get out of their own heads, right? That's true. So that's true. Yeah. If you hear about your coworkers, families or what exactly. they're worried about, what's going on in their hobbies, activities, whatever. Of I mean, cause you see them closer. every day. Like why not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Eight hours a day. Ooh, long right. eight hours. You spend way <laughs> too much time. I'd rather talk and laugh and gossip about whatever's happening around us in our life. Not like celebrity gossip, but like <laughs> what's happening in our lives and just the cool fun stuff we're doing. I, I want to talk about that stuff in the workplace and get right. to know people through right. their modalities, yeah. I agree. All right. Do 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 <laughs> study of the sode. <laughs> All right, it's your turn, Miss Study of the Sode. Oh yes. Diva. I hope that your new story is uplifting because my study of the sode is a little sad. Oh. <laughs> so my study of the sode is about verbal abuse on Twitter that I saw recently. So it's from Amnesty International and Element AI, and it's a 2017 study. So they had more than 6,500 volunteers from 150 countries sign up to take part in the Troll Patrol. Wow. Troll Patrol. So, Interesting. So they were, they were tracking <laughs> trolls. Yeah. So these volunteers that Internet wanted trolls. to help with this study, and it's a crowdsourcing project designed to process large-scale data about online abuse. Wow. So volunteers sorted through 288,000 tweets sent to 778 women, politicians, and journalists in the UK and in the US. Wow. So I thought this might be applicable to us since we're all on the social media train. So Amnesty International and Element AI used advanced data science and machine learning techniques to extrapolate data about the scale of abuse that women face on Twitter. And they calculated that 1.1 million abusive or problematic tweets were sent to the women in the study across the year, which is one tweet every 30 seconds. Ooh. I know. Rough. And then they... Talk about needing some grace. Yeah. Some (laughs) kindness. And then they sorted, um, or they looked into how women of different races were treated, and they found that black women were disproportionately targeted being 84% more likely than white women to be mentioned in abusive or problematic tweets. One in 10 tweets mentioning black women was abusive or problematic compared to one in 15 for white women, which I was like, any ideas around why do you have, I'm, I think just unconscious bias and yeah, people people being big old assholes. (laughs) So is it, so the people were, I'm, I'm trying to follow the story. So people were, they're saying that black women are problematic and or they are were getting targeted yeah. because so, so they, remember the so basically the, someone's between me and just like tacking me because yeah. they're public yeah. figures Got it. right so they're targeting the african-american public figures so much more than the white well it's because it's a double it's a double whammy like in a society that's dominated by a standard of you know how people should be what they should look like who they are you know you're female then you that's a punch in the gut and then mm-hmm. you have a different race that's a punch in the gut and then let's say you have a different sexuality rel- sexuality that's another punch and if you're a different religion, religion that's another punch um and then if you're disabled yeah or you're old that's a whole nother point of contention mm-hmm. ageism is a thing that people don't even talk about right you know so yeah yeah i think that's what it is it's just that it's that pecking order it's a, yeah it's a, exactly and they beat up on the lowest man on the totem pole yeah yeah Um, And the last stat was that women of color were 34% more likely to be mentioned in abusive tweets than white women. So black women was 84% and women of color all combined was 34%. So I just wanted to share that because I don't think that people realize, like, I think people are skeptical. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like they're skeptical about racism. Oh, yeah. They're like, 
is it really that bad anymore? Yeah. It's like, you can't argue it. Like, no. look at things like these. Like, this. like in color, I think, and even in our bubble in Colorado, it's to have black friends who come here and visit and they're like, man, they'll say white people are pretty entitled here, but they stay in their own lane. Like they're not actually messing with you guys in a negative way. You know, that's usually like the, the thing that is said, but the reality oh, that's is so interesting. That yeah. That is interesting. The reality is people, some people are not aware because they, their frequency of tune is not tuned into what's happening to other people. Yeah. And the reality is we may know about the 10 murders by cops that have gone into riots and things publicly on TV and not even riots, but more so just uh, marching and things like that. But there have been hundreds, there's hundreds of police murders to by black men per year. You know, there's so much that happens. A black woman in Mississippi who was pregnant died suddenly in a, a jail for a traffic infringement in Mississippi. Oh, this just geez. happened. But it's like, it's, it's really, what are you tuned in to hear? It's and true. It's what, what is your tuned frequency? And so is racism still alive and well? Does it happen? It happens every single day. Yeah. Well, and leads us right into the uplifting news. Yes. Um, there was an article just uh, the past day or two. I think it was two days ago. It's called Sisterhood of Spies, um, where like women that. now hold the top positions at the CIA. I, I joked about <laughs> the CIA earlier. This? Remember I, I joked know, about that I very early? Because the average housewife, she knows how to break into you to know cell it. phones and codes. And oh, and she, she can, can hack into China if she, she wanted can to. She can track a 13-year-old <laughs> and can. know exactly what they did. Oh, exactly. Imagine when, I think about this sometimes, imagine when my generation are moms and we are so good at like oh, Instagram stalking, what? Facebook stalking. Oh. Like, Guys, the best Example I had is my son. We had that sprint feature where you you could track the whole family. Mm -hmm. And I, <laughs> I called what up. That's called. I called up my as a family plan kind of thing. No, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just forget what it's called. Yeah. And I I noticed my son wasn't at school. He was <laughs> in downtown Louisville and was during the school day. Oh. So I called him. Hey, how you doing, Zach? What you doing? And he said, Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to math class. Oh said, no, really? really? Because it looks like you're over at Billy's house. Have you got Lojack on my car? <laughs> Lojack? would doesn't matter. I would have said to him, because then he know you're watching him, I would have said to him, I'm in your math class right now, and you are nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you right now? And um, no, I'm, um, um, see, and, see, and that, we then had he, that then conversation. You can, you can keep tracking him. I he said, don't know, but. If, if you don't go to your math class tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to go with you. Ooh, and wait. anybody that has their mama with them going Ooh, to a class. No one likes that. No. Mama, mama. Exactly. Dang, dang, mama, dang. Yeah. Zach's got and mama's a, never come to school yeah, looking beautiful. Zach, they come has to school. A, Zach has a question. Uh, don't you ask Zach? Why don't you ask the teacher? <laughs> no. No. But anyway, let's get back. Um, uh, sisterhood the, of spies. The, the CIA director, Gina Haspel, has named Cynthia D.D. Rapp, Deputy Director for Analysis, making her the agency's type analyst. Ooh, we are good at analyzing. And then Elizabeth Kimber was named the first female Deputy Director for Operations. They're responsible for the agency's worldwide spy network. And in December... <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I know Phoenix gave me the little side. She's like, Ooh. did you hear that? And then they join Dawn Merrick's who has been the agency's deputy director for science and tech for several years now. So as a result, the three main branches of the CIA are all headed by women. Wow. So it's a historic milestone for gender equality in the change and assassination sector is what they're calling it. But what I found interesting is the CIA workforce is now almost 50% women. Which wow. I wouldn't have thought. No. Right? I would never have thought that. And but see, I would expect that. I wouldn't would. have thought it. But it's like women are, we don't leave any stones unturned. We are Ooh. very detail-oriented. Like how are you going to have a national, international spy agency and not have women involved? Women be like, oh, ooh, he had on a red shirt and a blue hat. He knew exactly. <laughs> and I met him two yeah. weeks ago on the step of the Capitol. Yeah. Women are, you know, yeah. we're so good at Whereas that. Whereas a man will leave a party and you'll go, hey, did you notice Mary and John fighting like the Dickens? 
No, no I didn't <laughs> see it. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So I mean, why? Seriously. I'm glad the CIA right. caught up with the times because I'm saying women should have been running the CIA. And then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Things like that wasn't already happening. <laughs> right. Well, and what was even more interesting to me is that CEOs of the four, the five biggest defense contractors are actually women. And these wow. are Northrop Grumman, um, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, and Boeing's Space and Security Division. Wow. Which was a, w- really exciting, that right? Is. That is. Way to bring us back up, Wendy. Exactly. Yes. Until we get to the next part of the story. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, d- do y'all know NBC's Rachel Maddow? Yes. Right? I love Rachel. She tweeted her endorsement of this enhanced girl power. Okay. Right? But dozens of Twitter users swooped in and rained on her equality parade and i think they were highlighting the cia's it says here the cesspool of inhumanity regardless of who presses the clandestine drone strike button so this idea that the cia is taking away people's rights is killing people they're torturing right so that really does rain on the parade i gotta tell you some of these tweets that came up because the thing is i think women in charge will maybe shift some of that culture You're hoping, but people didn't get that. They went the exact opposite way. They said, now women can be recognized as war criminals too. Yay, feminism. Oh, Jesus. Hater. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Women are now in charge. give me the damn it doll. I know. (laughs) Women are now in charge of the three um, directorates of the CIA and run four of the top defense contractors. It's a message of hope to all the little girls around the world. If you work hard and stay in school, one day you can break the glass ceiling and get killed by a woman. This is what somebody tweeted. Um, now, last thing I've seen, first, I'll take offense to that. I, because I, women on Snap are killing folks every day. Well, it just... So, y'all, this, who are you to say that you, any, everyone can kill everyone? What, it's it, an equal opportunity. What I, are you talking about? And so another, another tweet I don't was... Want, I don't advocate anyone dying and murdering. I'm just saying. I agree. We are all anti-murder here. We, we have are. A but it's like, what are, you, what are you trying to say? Aaron, so only men can kill? I know that's a crazy stance to say, but what do you mean? People have murdered... Everybody's murdered everybody around the well, world. Well, listen like, to the mean? next one. Next, gender equality droning. What? Gender, gender equality, equality gender equal droning. Um, yes, we must fight for a woman's right to be as sociopathic and toxic as any man. This is real progress. Liberty is just around the corner. Y'all, it was so negative. Are these men or women tweeting this? And I looked at all the tweets, yeah. and a lot of them were men, but there were at Some least women. a third of them that I saw on this pages and pages mm-hmm. of this were women. Yikes. So. And the thing well, is, okay, it's like, somebody has to run the freaking CIA. And to me, the old way hasn't been working. So why not try let's something not, new? Let's not assume that the women are going to do the exact same thing that's happened for the last however many decades exactly. that CIA's been around. Let's not assume that. Let's be mature about this. Don't attack those ladies who have, I'm sure have worked so hard to get exactly. where they are. Oh, and I looked they at their pedigrees. The they were amazing. I'm sure they deserve the respect. And think about what they've had to go through. Mm. To get there. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring it back to, I think I'm looking forward to and maybe doing a refresh in a, in a year. Let's put it down on our calendar, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> that we look to see what these women have done. Yes. yes. And we look at it as, as what have they, how have they approached this differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's in the calendar. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you Be all for willing. having me. Yeah, It's Thanks. been so much fun, too. Yes, you all are a hoot, man. Well, <laughs> we, we have to hang out more. You just yes. live too damn far away. Man, I will take the 55-hour trek to your house. I don't mind. Well, Aww. she's down with you. No, she's down with you. We're in the boonies up here. Yeah, up in, we what? call it Tim, you're up in Timbuktu. Timbuktu, <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Well, if you want to follow Phoenix in other ways, do you want to let people know how they can follow you so i'm on uh twitter and instagram at phoenix k jackson and uh, my company is phoenix effect with an a so a f f e c t and uh yeah you can find me at phoenixjackson.com you can find my company at 
phoenixeffect.com. News is at phoenixeffectnews.com. And if you want to just like learn some cool things, we have phoenixeffectacademy.com. I love it. Perfect. Love it. All right. And remember, your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Undervalued. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Undervalued the Podcast. We'd love to hear from you via email. Email us your questions, stories, if you need advice, things like that. Our email is undervaluedthepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out our website, which is undervaluedthepodcast.com. And if you like what you heard, please rate us so that others can find us and get as encouraged as you've been, hopefully, this episode. And if you really loved us, feel free to donate at our donation page, which is patreon.com slash undervaluedthepodcast. Thanks for listening.